You are back with The Conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. This is Catherine Cruz. This morning, we're focused on seeds. Joining our roundtable talk is Big Island resident Nancy Redfeather. She has over 40 years of home gardening experience and has been saving seed at her family farm, Kawainui Farm, since 1998. She's an educator, gardener, and seed grower for the Hawaii Seed Growers Network. And for a decade, she's worked at the Kohala Center, creating educational programs, professional development, and curriculum for Hawaii's teacher, teachers and school gardeners. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, Catherine. Thank so, you so much for having us on today. So glad you could join us. And uh, also at the table, Jay Bost. He's here on Oahu. He's been fascinated with seeds for some 20 years. He's trained and worked in seed production, plant breeding, in addition to food production. Uh, he's worked with the Culinary Breeding Network. He's visited the World Vegetable Center and has enjoyed getting down sent the tropical corn wormhole thanks to the corn seed man, James Brubaker. Uh, Bost is a farm coach with Go Farm Hawaii, training a new generation of growers on Oahu in Waimanalo. Good morning, Jay. Good morning. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm glad you can uh, that you're here to be able to share some Jim Brubaker stories with us today. All right. <laughs> And from the Friendly Isle, uh, Glenn Tevez is a seed grower who's been involved in the Hawaii Public Seed Initiative and the Hawaii uh, Seed Growers Network since its inception. He's a county extension agent with the UH uh, College of Tropical Agriculture and Human Resources on the island of Molokai. He served in this position for 39 years. He is a Ho'olehua, a Hawaiian homestead farmer, where his family grows an assortment of crops, including bananas, avocados, and vegetable seed. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning. So glad you could all join us today. And Nancy, you know, maybe you should um, give us a little, a little a history uh, lesson here. Um, tell us about the, the Hawaii Seed Growers Network. Okay, yeah, sure. So, um, well, for me, um, it started by, it started in 1994 when I was sitting in a class with John Jevons and an agricultural class in Waimea, and he was talking about a new food and agriculture study that had just come out at the UN that was predicting that by 2005, 92% of all seed varieties that were grown in 1900 would be extinct. And I was thinking, wow, that how can that possibly be? Because up until that point, if I needed seed, I just went to the store and bought it. I didn't really think about saving my own seed or why it would be important. And so to think that, like, 92% of all the seed varieties that fed our ancestors all the way through the 1900s and, and earlier, 1800s, 1700s, that that would be gone was just, uh, it was astounding to me. So I decided that I was going to start trying to do something, and that was saving, start saving seed from my own garden. So I did that for many years, and then about 2003, I, I decided I needed to do something for the community. So I started having seed festivals at the Amy Granwell Garden every year, and people would come and share their seed that they were saving from their gardens. And that was all lovely and wonderful, and lots of people came, but hardly anyone came with seed because people weren't saving seeds anymore. A lot of people came to get seed to take home for their gardens, but they didn't bring seed. So after doing that for about seven years, um, and it wasn't really changing too much, um, I decided to do something else, and there was an opportunity that came up through the USDA to put on a statewide seed symposium, and so I applied for it through the Kohala Center and got that grant, 
And so we partnered with the Organic Seed Alliance, which is a group of um, growers and breeders on the West Coast. And, of course, they, they do work nationwide. And they came over and helped us. And we put on a few-day conference in Keho here called Hua Kahua, which means to restore our seed. And from that conference, a working group started of about 25 people statewide. And out of that group, there was five of us that then decided to start going around to all the islands. We did this for two years. We gave a course, a two-day course, called Seed Basics for Farmers and Gardeners. And we just went over all the basics to see if we could get more farmers and gardeners growing seed again. Then after that, we spent another two years developing seed networks on every island, seed exchanges, seed networks. And then after that, it became pretty obvious that it was time for us to start our own seed marketplace because we, as a group, we had so many varieties that we had been growing on our own farms and in our own gardens for many, many years. And these varieties worked really, really well for Hawaii's climate. So we started our online marketplace in 2016, and we're still going strong, adding varieties every month to the marketplace, adding, um, starting to work with new growers, thanks to Jay and his GoFarm um, cohorts, and um, we're developing a, a bigger and stronger seed network for Hawaii's growers. So this is really an SOS. It's save our seeds. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, because at that point, they're the only people growing seed in um, Hawaii is the is the University of Hawaii Seed Lab, and um, Jay and Glenn are going to be talking about that. Okay. Well, Jay, why don't you uh, uh, run with this? I mean, talk about the the different uh, entities. Give, give us the structure of, of what's out there across uh, the state. Okay. Great. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the first thing always to, to remember is, you know, m- many of the seeds, really all of our um, crop seeds came here um, with, with immigrants and with immigrant farmers and, um, you know, or later farmers who were bringing in seeds from all the different places that they were coming from and, and then, you know, maintaining those seeds and, and saving those seeds so, you know, Really, the in the history of seed saving here, it's it's you know farmers and gardeners who have been the ones who have kept things going the longest, and then and then I think out of you know really early incarnations of the USDA and the, the Hawaii Experiment Station and the um, Hawaii Sugar Planter Association, yes. you can look back at these interesting old records of them starting to import different varieties of you know, mostly European, also Asian vegetables, trying to experiment with what would work or not. And, and out of that, I think, you know, they would find varieties that, that, that did well. And then as, as UH started getting going and having more breeding programs, really more concerted efforts at, um, you know, trying to address specific disease issues, heat tolerance issues, um, unique to here and so UH got really involved in in breeding varieties and then the UH seed lab 
um, was born out of that, which was in the way to market those seeds um, to growers, which they they continued to do today, and as a you know an invaluable resource for Hawaii's farmers and growers. More recent um, things that have come up are the seed industry, which is mostly corn, and you know I think everyone hopefully is aware that that they are at this point um, are you know the biggest economic footprint of agriculture in the state. Um, I think it's contracted a little bit over the last. Um, couple years you know by and large that seed is not destined to be grown here or or eaten here but they do have a lot of expertise a lot of equipment and you know end up kind of supporting a lot of the um you know the the agricultural related industries um and i think a lot of people in the seed industry um you know do have an authentic interest in and helping booster the local agricultural economy. And, you know, there's a lot of politics and debates behind the, the, the seed industry, but, um, you know, they're, they're working with seeds, so um, they're definitely part of the picture. And then there's a lot of companies like um, Ina Ola comes to mind. You'll see their um, stuff in, the, in a lot of gardening stores and hardware stores. They, for the most part, maybe exclusively, are buying seed from UH Seed Lab and from other um, purveyors of seed that that you know has been tried here and then they that they know does well that there's a market for and then they're you know repackaging that and then um, and then selling that. So the the Hawaii Seed Growers Network, as as far as we know, is is unique. Um, with the exception of the UH Seed Lab, and that everything that we're selling is stuff that um, you know we have produced here um, in the state, and you know have have trialed here um, and found um, does well for us. And then, of course, there's lots of informal networks, things like you know Nancy had mentioned, um, you know seed swaps and seed sharing events, and of course, there's still important. Um, seed saving that goes on in all of the different farming communities and so many of the varieties that we offer through this the seed Hawaii seed growers network are things that we've picked up at seed swaps or from other farmers and are just really trying to make more um, broadly available but um, you know are things that have been maintained in these informal networks and of of course as you know the farming generations get get older um you know there's a definite risk of some of these things um being lost which is why it's so you know crucial to make sure that that they don't get lost and then there's things like seed seed libraries there's a number of different um you know libraries you know book libraries that also will have seed libraries where people can come bring in seed and check seed out and the idea being you're going to grow it out and replenish it and then we've got, um, you know, a lot of um, entities here in the state that aren't working so much with agricultural crops, but are doing seed banking for um, for native plants. So Lion Arboretum does a lot of that. The Hawaii Island Seed Bank, who um, the Hawaii Seed Growers Network collaborates 
um, with a lot. Um, and then we've got the National Botanical um, the National Botanical Gardens on a number of different islands that are both doing you know seed banking and doing living collections. I think one thing that's always important to remember and point out is that you know most of the canoe crops um, are vegetatively propagated. So you know things like uwala and kalo and ulu like. It's very difficult, very rare to have those actually go into a true seed form. And, and it would be, a, if you planted that seed, it would be something different. So if we are wanting to maintain these um, older varieties, those need to be you know, either grown in the ground or sometimes those things end up in these kind of in vitro mm-hmm. um, collections. Um, and... Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the the lay the lay of the land right now. I think well, when um, when that original meeting that Nancy mentioned happened, they did a survey of growers to kind of get a sense of what were the needs of farmers and how much of their seed were there were they bringing in. And I don't know if Nancy remembers the specific results of that, but at that time and and still today, we we import a lot of our of our seed um and we'll talk about you know some of the issues with that but you know if nothing you know all the things we'll talk about um being important another issue is we're just exporting that money um from the state um and so we see it you know as an economic opportunity for growers here to be able to grow seed that that does well here and then also keep that money circulating in our Um, local agricultural economy. Well, Glenn, if you want to jump in here, I mean, you you know, um, you're you're out there, you know, on the front lines with CTAR, you interface with a lot of folks. Um, uh, You know, there is a concern about, you know, making sure we've got a younger generation, uh, you know, keeping them interested and engaged in becoming farmers and learning about agriculture. This is a real concern. Um, The average age of farmers in Hawaii is over 60. Um, The workforce, the regular workforce is about 49 years old. So we got a real problem. Um, How do we engage individuals to farm? Um, You need a lot of pieces to the puzzle. You need land with good land tenure. It can't be a year-to-year or month-to-month type of lease. They need access to water. They need access to um, funding. It's, It's almost like if you wanted to create an agriculture industry in Hawaii, you need to do what tourism did. You have these agriculture, you have these vistas to visit, you got walls, you got beaches, you got airports, you got the convention center, you need these types of infrastructure if you wanted to develop agriculture in Hawaii. So it's a real challenge. I mean, only 0.6% of the state economy is um, invested in agriculture. So if you wanted to get real, we got to really, you know, pick up the pace and put more money into to agriculture development. And, you know, I don't know what you're seeing just uh, from uh, the average, you know, Joe out there, uh, you know, because there's been a run on seeds. You know, if you if you go to these various websites and, and you try and order seeds, a lot of them are out of stock because people are really, uh, you know, getting interested in, in gardening. Yes, it's a global thing. I think some of the farmers in, um, in Oregon told me that they've had a, like 40% increase in the sales of seeds. I think UH uh, encountered the same thing. So... Uh, seeds are in short supply. And so we need to kind of ramp things up in Hawaii and create this infrastructure for seed development. 
uh, including backyarders, home gardeners, I mean, everybody. Uh, just the other day, uh, uh, Extension Agents just received funding for our seed saving initiative, and this will be programs in youth, adult, and also master gardeners, and about 16, 17 Extension individuals are involved in this initiative to start teaching the community how to save seeds. Yeah, so I think this is part of the whole puzzle. I think that's one piece of that puzzle that we need to address. Right, because we've got everybody's attention now. Oh, yes. You know, and, and uh, you know, talk about the seed lab, because I know, you know, when I've done stories with uh, Jim Brubaker, uh, you know, when he was doing all the research with corn, and he would send me to the, the, the lab there to go get, uh, get, what was it, Sweet Sarah? <laughs> oh, yeah. 19, I think. <laughs> you know, but a lot of people know uh, the UH lab as, as the place to go. Yes, um, the seed store is the face of the college. Um, I, I guess a lot of people don't realize that. If you talk to somebody, they'll say, how's the seeds? What seeds you got? So, you know, the seed store started, I think, in about the 80s or 90s. I remember I was, in, I was still in school, and the lab was in this St. John's Hall, just the one room, and they would go to the research stations and grow seeds. They got people involved at the station growing it. You had breeders. Uh, Hawaii had some of the leaders in vegetable breeding, such as Jim Gilbert, Dick Hartman, and also fruit development, such as um, breeders like Dick Hamilton, developing papayas and mangoes and all kind of other stuff. The, the problem we're dealing with right now is that the university is going through economic stress with the state budget issue. They're, they have a $96 million shortfall. So they're looking at where they're going to cut. Um, my, my feeling is that they're trying to preserve agriculture because they see it, it's important, but we still have to compete with everybody else. So I'm concerned that maybe the seed store might be one of the areas they, they need to cut because um, it costs a lot to run this, this center. It's, a, it's called the Agriculture Diagnostics Service Center, and they do a lot of other things such as soil sampling, uh, plant tissue samples, uh, disease diagnosis, and one of the pieces is the seed store. So. The, the seeds uh, developed at the University of Hawaii are um, beyond compare. Um, these varieties were developed for specific disease problems in different parts of the island. Um, people don't understand the difference between growing things in the tropics and the temperate areas. One of the biggest problems in Hawaii is the warm nights, and a lot of these varieties that come out of Europe cannot handle these warm nights. And basically, they go into cardiac arrest. You start hitting 80s at night. Um, with climate change, we start getting 100-degree days and 80-degree nights, and the plants cannot handle. And we actually have to start developing varieties that can handle those kind of conditions. We've, always, we've also been fortunate with farmers who've developed varieties, and then we've built upon those varieties, such as um, Hirayama Kai Choi, developed by Chick Hirayama um, in Cabela Molokai. And then we have this Nita eggplant developed by um, Mr. Nita. I think it was down in Waianae. And also we have farmers that collect seeds from other parts of the world that are well adapted to Hawaii, such as a Koba green onion um, collected in Hong Kong by Katsuhiro uh, Kobashigawa. Then we have people that take our seed and plant it and then develop their own varieties. And one example of that is um, this Hamasaki eggplant that was developed by Roland Hamasaki in Lapoihoi. And he just died last year at the age of 99. Wow. <laughs> um, and so we, we need that team. We need the community involved, 
finding new varieties, and we can build upon it and add some disease resistance to it. It needs to be a community effort. Um, and so I think the home gardeners, to me, are really important in this whole thing. We need to have more home gardeners. We need to engage with them. And you got all the time in the world now. And I, I remember mm-hmm. growing up, um, and there, there was this um, child's childhood show on TV, Chubby Rowland. And at the end of the show, he would say, remember, kids, to play in your own backyard. Okay, now is the time to play in your <laughs> own backyard. Yes, and grow things. Grow yes. things with our, our, our local seeds, with the seeds that the scientists, you know, uh, have experimented with. They, they, they know uh, what works best, you know, and, uh, and then they make those seeds available through the UH Seed Lab and, you know, through your networks, right, to be able yes. to, um, to make sure you, that you've got a, a chance at being successful. That One thing so I thought I might be worth can... interesting with, with some of the, the history that I think is you know fun and interesting that, that we've tried to do with the Seed Growers Network um, is find old varieties that, for whatever reason, the Seed Lab um, isn't offering. Like, we've been selling an old um, pole bean variety called Lua Lua Lay, which was kind of the, the great-grandparent of the Manoa Wonder Pole Bean, the Pomoho Wonder Bean, the, what's the third one, Glenn? Why not? Uh, Why not? The, so there's all these beans, you know, that they keep improving them, keep making, you know, making them nematode-resistant, making them rust-resistant, but, you know, this, um, this Lua Lua Lay, which is kind of the grandparent of them all, um, you know, is not available. So we've been offering that and, and, and had a great luck with that. And then we've just started to offer um, a pea that everyone, you know, many people probably heard of the Manoa um, sugar snap pea that the UH Seed Lab sells. And, um, you know, all of us are, are part of these kind of national networks and have gotten to have a lot of interaction with a great um, guy named Jim Myers, who's a breeder at Oregon State University, um, and he's a pea breeder, and he had inherited basically from his predecessor at University of Oregon a variety that was labeled Manoa C. Um, and so we've been able to find like old references to like Manoa strain A, Manoa strain B. We can't find any written record of Manoa strain C, but we now have it growing, um, and it's sort of this, you know, homecoming. Because as Glenn, you know, mentioned, not only do farmers here in the state have they taken Hawaii seeds and done breeding with them, but and selection, but a lot of the seeds have left here, gone to you know, other parts of the tropics and subtropics to Florida um, because they had such good disease resistance and and been used further developed, further bred, and so, you know, in some cases we're doing kind of homecomings of these varieties or these lineages that, that left Hawaii in the well, past. Well, that's great. That's a great story. You know, if you're just joining the conversation, we're talking about seeds, and we'd like you to share your stories. Ask questions. Call us at 941-3689 or one 941 3689 from the neighbor islands. Uh, our guests in our studio, uh, Jay Bost, he's a farm coach with Go Farm Hawaii, Glenn Tevez, a county extension agent with UHC Tar on Molokai, and educator and gardener Nancy Redfeather, who grows seed on Kauai Nui Farm on the Big Island. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a break. 
Support for HPR comes from Alexander and Baldwin, serving the islands for 150 years through job creation and civic support. A and B, building partnerships in Hawaii with a commitment to respect Hawaii's communities, people, cultures, and environment. All of us sometimes keep our opinions to ourselves. What happens when a whole nation does this? The system perpetuates itself by turning the victims into victimizers. Everyone becomes complicit. Conspiracies of silence. This week on Hidden Brain from NPR. Beginning this evening at 7, following says you. Support for Hawaii Public Radio comes from the Honolulu Museum of Art, with three new exhibitions at HOMA First Hawaiian Center downtown, featuring works by Hawaii artists. More at honolulumuseum.org. You are back with the conversation here on Hawaii Public Radio. We do have a question uh, from Roger in Wahewa. Uh, he says that he's got lots of things growing in his garden, including uh, all kinds of leafy vegetables, kale, collards, bok choy. Uh, but there are three things that he loves <laughs> that he just can't seem to grow well, and that's cilantro, beets, and papaya. So he wants to know, what are the secrets to growing these, um, these things well? I don't know. Nancy, do you want to – we'll start with you. Well, I, I used to have the same problem with cilantro until I found um, this one variety called Calypso that we actually have on our marketplace right now. Um, there's another variety also called Leisure. So both of these varieties of, um, of cilantro are really slow bolting. They're so slow that, that you can grow the plant up, you can cut it all the way back with your scissors, like just a couple inches above the soil, let it come out again, cut it again, and then finally, eventually, it will go to seed. And so that's the kind of cilantro that we want to grow here in Hawaii is the really slow bolting variety. Does somebody else want to talk about papaya? Or? I'll talk about papaya. Um Depends what kind of papaya you want to grow. Like on Molokai, we grow the uh, sunrise. It's uh, We grow it actually organically. We're the only area in the state that can grow organic papayas because we don't have the um, ring spot virus. So it, for that kind of papaya, you can go to the store, get a papaya, scoop the seeds out, and throw them in the ground fresh. I tried to rub it on a piece of screen to break the sack. There's a sack around that called a sarcotesta, and you break this gel, gel sack put it right in the ground and start it fresh. Um, you need to also uh, make sure when the plant grows to water out from where the base is. So if the plant is four feet, you're probably going to have to water out four feet as well because the roots are probably the same length as the height of the tree. So that's just some of the ideas. Um, uh, if you go to the UH uh, publications website, they'll have uh, handouts on growing papaya. Um, and so that, that would be the if you Google um, UH, uh, CTAR, uh, UH CTAR publications, you have this site, and you can just um, punch in papaya or, you know, soybeans, and a, a publication will come out on a how to how to grow it. You know, I grew up in Guam, and we had a variety of papaya where the the fruit was was red, uh, and uh, a neighbor has shared uh, some seeds. Uh, uh, he's got. 
um, in his yard. And, it, you know, the papaya that I remember is just very large and just red in color, not orange. Yeah, you have the red types. Uh, we, uh, we call it watermelon papaya, and it used to be really common in Hawaii. We don't see it as much. There's a variety called Red Lady that we grow on Molokai that will be about a foot long. Um, but those are really good uh, because you can make a whole lot of papaya jam out of one like that. <laughs> yeah, those are large, very large. Well, now, what about beets? Um, I think first... I mean, I could... Go ahead, Jay. Go ahead, Jay. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, really in, in all those cases, one thing to always, you know, be sure of is that you've got, you know, fresh fresh seed. And I don't feel like this would be as, as big of an issue with uh, the papaya, but both cilantro and beets, we definitely run into issues of um, them being harder to germinate in, in hot weather, real hot times of the year. So, you know, the, the time of year is always something to consider um, when you're trying to get seeds going. And then, and then also, of, of course, you know, there's always this right balance of it being wet enough so the seed isn't, isn't drying out, but not so wet that you start to have um, issues of rotting. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great to hear, um, hear our caller calling in and having having luck with certain things and you know we all run into issues that we're trying to deal with and i think like glenn said looking at at um CTAR publications is a great resource the the hawaii seed growers network increasingly um nancy's been and some of the rest of us but especially nancy writing lots of blogs um go farm hawaii we've just been putting out on our website a we're calling it like Go Farm Hawaii Community Edition that's got some how-to videos of lots of um, information for home gardeners. So would encourage people to um, to look at that, and you know, then and then of course always re- reaching out to your um, your CTAR extension agents that can try to help you troubleshoot issues that you're having. You know, one thing I wanted, I wanted to add to that. I think um, you need to make sure the seeds are well stored. A lot of times you you go to a store and it's um it's just right there. It might even be in the sun, and some of those seeds are going to be really hard to germinate. So the the key is to get fresh seed and then to put it in a jar and put it in your refrigerator so the seed is good when it's time to plant. So how do you know when you've got fresh seed? Because you know if I just go to the hardware store and pick up something and let's say it's from the mainland, you know how do you know it's you know it's good seed? Um, it should well one thing it should be dated on the back of the um packet like when it was harvested and it may also have the germination percentage on the seed but if the seed was brought to Hawaii and was in the store for you know six months and wasn't in a uh, well cool a cool area uh, the seed may have problems interesting and then what about the best times for growing things because you know you hear oh rice has two growing seasons in the year uh, you know when is the best time to plant I mean I know we've got a wet season and a dry season here in the islands right now is the best time to plant yeah right now, right is, now. this is the best time okay so with, everybody's got to get out yeah. there in, anything that you want to grow especially the cooler season vegetables and i'd put the beets in that category this is the time if you're going to be able to grow them it'll be now through the winter with the cool nights and the and the water the rain now what are your thoughts on the hawaiian calendar because i know uh you know that gives you a, a breakdown of you know when is the best time to 
to put things in the ground, whether it's a root vegetable. Uh, we just we just passed some good good nights. Um, in the Hawaiian calendar, usually we plant the three days before the full moon. Um, Mahalo is the flower moon, and then right after that, the three moons before Mahalani, all the good moons for planting uh, most vegetables. But for a lot of people, whenever you can put it in the ground, is that's the time to do it. You know, <laughs> right. I get stuck. I get stuck planting on only days sometimes because that's the only time I have. You know, so mm-hmm. I think it's get it in the ground. Don't wait another month. Okay, keep your fingers crossed, right? Okay, well, you know, we're going to um, actually turn our attention uh, to something called Seeds of Honua. It's a movement-based organization that's led by youth, and it's committed to creating a brighter, healthier, more sustainable future of peace by connecting Keiki to nature. Now, a couple of months ago, the group held a seed sprint. It was a free program for youth to foster the ancient art of planting and growing. Now, all the seeds are locally sourced, and they help youth experience the power of a seed exchange. Seeds of Hanua is led by Tyler Levine and other youth leaders in partnership with Beechnut Seeds, Blue Zone uh, Project Hawaii, Oahu Farm to School Network, Iolani School, Youth Service America, and Purple Maya. Uh, we spoke with uh, 15-year-old Tyler Levine. She, we understand, is a, she's a student of Nancy's and a youth leader of Seeds of Honua. Uh, here's what Tyler had to say. As a younger child, I was always out in nature. We had a garden at school. I was always in the school garden. I was always out in the mountains or, or in the ocean. Like, the first time I remember connecting with seeds was when I was in sixth grade at Cottle House School. We were doing a science project, and I chose to have my project be about the garden, like which plants grew better in, in soil and a certain media. And we got these seeds, and we planted these seeds. And every day I'd go out and I'd watch these seeds grow. They're bean seeds. And by the time the bean plant was, like, so vibrant and crawling up the trellis and, you know, producing those beautiful, long, green beans, it's just, I was in awe because just, I don't know, there's a mystical intelligence that plays out in the natural world, you know? It's just incredible. And for... For a while, I don't know if I felt as in tune or connected with that, with that natural world as I as I do now. And then I remember seeing, you know, those green seed pods dry, and and inside the the dried seed pod was those beautiful black bean seeds. I don't know that just watching that process unfold and grow to me seeds are the circle of life in the palm of your hand seeds of Honua like it sprouted from just this deep love and connection to the natural world and this kuleana we all share as keikioka aina to mamama Honua. i'm always in awe and, and amazed at the incredible amount of just people around the world who are really taking action, and especially the youth. In, in every chapter of the world, you see this, you know, we're standing up 
and we're we're having our voices heard and we're taking these actions to create this this future, um, to create even a future, right? Or to have hope for the future ahead and creating this more resilient and sustainable future. Uh, and and yes, throughout my journey, not only with Seeds of Honua, just in life, I've met some really incredible people um, and youth my age spouting incredible actions and and just spreading so much love and light and sharing their gifts throughout their communities, families, expanding into the world, you know? Within every seed, there's a promise. And within this promise, there's hope for for tomorrow and hope for our future. And this is a, a natural truth that has passed the test of time. It's a promise we truly need right now. So I think through that kind of perspective, everyone needs to remember to nurture the seed of their soul, their passion, their truth. Because um, then from there, like, you can really connect to yourself, connect to the earth, connect to each other, and grow. And I love to hear the wonder in her voice. Nancy, you must be so proud. <laughs> yeah, I, I get to work with her and um, and other, you know, Debbie Millican from Iolani and Marielle, extension agent from Hilo, and uh, one of my apprentices, Sebastian Lambert, every Thursday we were on a call. They're actually in the other room right now on this call, and we plan um, the work for Seeds of Honua. So the, the first thing that they did was they, they bought local seed, and she grew a lot of it, actually, and then they sent it out to 1,500 youth that wanted to be part of a program that would start a home garden and then eventually um, start saving seeds from some of their plants. And so today we were, we were planning the next step, which is going to be a series of classes for any of these 1,500 students starting in January on um, developing the home garden and seed saving. So it's, it's so, uh, I, I am reminded every week about the, the passion and the uh, really wonder and inspiration that comes from our youth. They are so capable of doing so much. So, yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Glenn, you want to uh, chime in here? I mean, you know, it's just amazing just the wonderment in her voice when she looks at the seeds sprouting, and, and that's the kind of, I think the 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 passion that we want in our young people when it comes to farming and growing things. You know, when I when I heard about this, I uh, I, I blew my mind. I said, "Wow, look! You know, one person um, inspired fifteen hundred people. I mean, what is the next step after that?" So I think this whole idea of teaching in the schools. I mean, agriculture in Hawaii needs to be institutionalized. It needs to be part an important part of preschool all the way up P20. You know, right through the whole system, we need to be involved. Um, in prior to the 19 prior to 1968, Molokai High School was a farm school, and they milked the cows, they had pigs, they had chickens, they raised vegetables, and all this stuff ended up in the cafeteria. So, so that is the model. Um, and now that we have to really shift gears in terms of what is important in Hawaii, I think this comes to the top in terms of how do we get this program going. So. We're fortunate. We have two new extension agents uh, working in the farm-to-school program. 
Christine Jameson, Donnie Wainai, and Marshall Joy on Molokai. And th- their main goal is to help um, the schools start gardens. The second thing they'll be doing is to go out to the farms and find farmers who can deliver produce to the schools. So these are two really important functions of getting more into um, community-based food production. Well, you know, you talk about uh, Tyler and how she was able to inspire, you know, um, uh you know, more than a, what, 1,200, 1,500 youth from all over the state. And I, and I go back and I think of, you know, Jim Brubaker, you know, who has taught so many uh, and educated so many young minds who, have, who, have, who are now working in the industry all over the world. Right, Jay? Yeah, it's, it's true. He's, um, you know, inspired lots of folks who have gone on to work in sub-Saharan Africa, Korea, Thailand, um, yeah, many many parts of the world, including including staying, you know, staying here and working, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just super super inspiring to to grow things that have been bred here and and do so well here. Um, yeah, we end up growing that with with our students. Some of his things with students that are in the Go Farm program. Some of our graduates work with school gardens, and they'll grow varieties of his. We've been growing some up at the Wyava Correctional Facility. Um, yeah, there's just you know something special about being able to tell people that this is you know something that's that's from from Hawaii. here and was developed here and yeah and i was thinking listening to tyler um you know there's all these like logical reasons where we should grow stuff from here because it's got disease resistance because it has heat tolerance like all these really like rational logical things um but i feel like what she captured so well is that when you get involved with seed saving like yes you're saving the seed of things that did the best for you because they're adapted for all these really like ecological logical reasons but but you also start to like she's saying be involved in this full circle in this process and it's empowering to not just be this passive consumer of oh i just eat whatever i can get or oh i just buy my seeds i don't know where they come from i don't know who grows them i don't know who bred them um and you get to actively participate in it and then it gets really exciting the more you get into it and it's you know addictive um yeah i'm going to save the seed of this one apart because it's this weird purple one all the rest are green i'm going to keep the green ones going and now i've got my new purple one um and it's just you know, infinite, and it's like you're getting to do this, like, I was thinking of, like, four-dimensional sculpture with life, like, you know, it's here, but it's also time, because it, you know, it's going forward, forward into the, into the future, like she talked with, so I think that, you know, I see, and students that I work with in our Go Farm program, um, it just really changes people's lives to be involved in you know, in food production in general, and then to see the connections and light bulbs click. Yeah, the um, fruits of your labor, the, the fruits of your labor. Seed. And then the, working with the guys at the Wyava Correctional Facility is just so inspiring. These guys just, like, love it, just love it. I mean, and who wouldn't love um, 
being outside growing Absolutely. food yeah. when, when you, what are your I, I do want to uh, get in a couple of questions here. We have a call from Bobo in Pune. Hi, Bobo. Hey, how are you? Good. You have a question for us? Well, it's, it's kind of a prosaic question. I, I see a lot of people going through all these backflips and gyrations trying to grow tomatoes here. And I don't see anybody having a lot of success. So I just wondered if they could recommend any varieties that would seem to be fungal blight resistant. And the second question I had was just rat lung disease with prevention strategies. Glenn, mm. <laughs> talk about Dr. Gilbert. Okay. Um, Hawaii was a world leader in the development of tomatoes. Um, in the 50s, um, this program was started, was, uh, it was called the Southern Tomato Exchange Program, STEP. And this involved states, South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia, Texas, Hawaii, California, and each state would develop the varieties for their problems. And then what they'll do is test the varieties from the other states. And the ones that do well, they would cross it with their varieties. And Hawaii was a leader because we had varieties with four or five different uh, disease uh, resistances. One, one of the more important ones uh, was root knot nematode resistance. And root knots, uh, root knot nematodes are microscopic earworms that feed on the roots of plants. Very common in Hawaii, especially in old pineapple soil, the red soils. And so our tomatoes in Hawaii have resistance to this. Varieties such as um, Anahu and Heolani are the ones that come to mind. Uh, these varieties are, are much stronger, uh, able to handle the weather, um, and are uh, disease resistance, fungus resistance. So you, you have to start with that. The challenge in Hawaii is fruit flies. So you need to look at ways of capturing the fruit flies. We use baits to capture them so they don't attack the fruits. The smaller fruits are usually easier to grow than the larger fruits, which becomes a problem. Um, summertime is a bigger problem than the wintertime because the fruit flies are just rampant. So, um, so it's possible to have success with tomatoes? Yes, I think it, it, it can. Um, one is don't, don't grow them all the time. Okay. Um, you need to stop growing them so all the pests go elsewhere and then start up in a month or so. If you have tomatoes around all the time, you're going to have problems. So one idea is, we, and we practice this a lot, it's called crop-free periods. Right. And don't have that crop around for a little while and then start up. Ultimate. The other thing is some of the uh, smaller fruits are easier to grow. Uh, cherry uh, varieties such as Komohana would be another one to grow uh, when the insects are I know uh, uh, the Ho Farms, uh, they're uh, well-known for their tomatoes, and I know I've just started seeing their seeds out at the farmer's markets and uh, at some of the uh, smaller shops around town here on Oahu. Uh, you know, we did have another caller uh, on the line. He's not on the line now, but Les from Wailaiki wanted to share that uh, he says cilantro likes to grow in groups, plant six to eight seeds together and keep moist. He says do not plant in summer. Now is a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, earlier this year, we, we saw some seeds that were sent into the state just randomly uh, from China. And there was concern about, uh, you know, we don't know what these things are. They were afraid of, you know, they were possibly diseased. Uh, uh, you know, any thoughts on uh, species, outside species and invasive species? Um, Nancy or whoever? A, a couple oh, of things. Glenn can do that. Yeah, a couple of things. Um, we really don't know what happened. I suspect 
they were trying to say, we got seeds. You know, so that's one thing. But, you know, you can't just send seeds from any place to Hawaii. Uh, I, I was trying to bring in some okra seed from Taiwan. And they said, no, you can't bring it in. You need it fumigated. You're going to have to pay $500 um, to have it fumigated. And the reason why is that okra is related to cotton, one of our main crops. So if you're bringing in seed of our major crops in the United States, you're going to have a hard time bringing it in. So that, you know, corn, wheat, um, soybeans, uh, cotton, those kind of things. The other thing is, if you look at some of the problems we got in Hawaii, it was from people bringing in plants. So cokey frogs, uh, small, um, the little ant, the little fire ant, all came in on plants. So we need to really look at uh, moving things between islands. I mean, if you're bringing seeds between islands and you grew the seeds, you know what you got, that's no problem. But if you're bringing plants, you don't know what's on them. And on Molokai, we don't have a lot of the problems because we don't have this big port of entry, a large airport with all these uh, planes coming in. And also you have military, and sometimes uh, pests come in on the military planes from Guam and other uh, tropical places. So moving plants around is not a good idea. Seeds can be moved. Okay. Well, you know, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, Nancy, any shout-out to a a group that uh, you think uh, we should all... Two two things. One, please go on to our website www.hawaiiseedgrowersnetwork.com and sign up in the top right hand corner for our um our shout outs so we'll we'll tell you when new seed varieties come up when there's resources for you and also our monthly blogs and i just also wanted to give another shout out to the hawaii department of agriculture sharon hurd and chair and all of the people who have been so helpful to us um, with the specialty crop block grants and all of their support. They do all our seed germination work, certify our seed um, for the Hawaii Seed Growth Network, and also the Hawaii Farm to School Hui that works with 255 schools across the state to start school gardens. All right. Well, we so, like... Thank you so much, Catherine. Well, we thank uh, all of you. You know, Nancy Redfeather, Kauai Farms on the Big Island, Glenn Tevis with UHC Tar on Molokai, and Jay Boss with Go Farm Hawaii. All three are seed farmers with the Hawaii Seed Growers Network. And we thank you, the listener, for joining us on today's show. And if you want to add your thoughts to today's discussion, you can still contact the Talkback Line. That number, 808-792-8217. You can also email us at talkback at hawaiipublicradio.org. And if you want to listen back to today's show, check out the Conversation Podcast at hawaiipublicradio.org. I'm Catherine Cruz. Join us tomorrow for more of the conversation.